Herman Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. So, you know, guys, it was one of those days at work, and I, I felt the need to troll. And so I sent Aaron a text on my on my phone. It was something along on the line. Flip, on your flip. What's that? It was your flip. It was your yeah, flip we're going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my, my text to Aaron was something along the lines of, Aaron on vacation equals Rainsboro. Aaron at work means no Rainsboro. You know, something to piss him off when he's in his meeting and doing his whatever, saving the planet. And he sends me a text back, and the text back, I, I can only imagine, was some kind of multimedia thing. But what I got from Aaron was two rectangles. <laughs> and so I can only imagine it was Aaron saying, thank you for pointing that out, Tim. I, I appreciate your input into my into my daily life. <laughs> Am I right about that? Because that's kind of what I think happened. <laughs> I think that I, I think that I sent you some kind of emoji, but I don't recall what it was. Uh, it was probably a middle finger. <laughs> it was probably that new yeah, middle finger I, emoji, exactly. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it was. But, uh... <laughs> so I want uh, you to know, Aaron, that your sarcastic remarks were defeated by my caveman technology. <laughs> So uh, that is, is this where we put up the GoFundMe link for your newfound? <laughs> <His kickstarter. laughs> well, you know, if Aaron really wants to burn me, I, I guess he needs to fund me a new phone. <laughs> if you if you fund at the one dollar level, he'll send out a general text thanking you. You know, amongst amongst all the other hundreds of people. But if you contribute at the twenty dollar level, he'll send you random texts from time to time over the next hundred dollars. I'll, I'll I'll sex with you once for two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you Paul's credit card number. <laughs> <laughs> I like a, it. I like it. Let's it's a great this. idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, Ant Man Blu Ray came out this week. And uh, I ha did not see Ant-Man in the theaters. And so I settled in last night with a, uh, a bowl of popcorn and uh, watched me some Ant-Man. I have a new second favorite Marvel film. Yeah, wow. why didn't you I see this in theaters, Aaron? Because we all spoke, talked it up pretty heavily. I, well, I knew it was going to be a good movie. I mean, you know, it looked good. I, I like the, the trailers. It got good press, yada, yada. I, by the time work calmed down for me, it was, you know, out of the big, the big uh, screen houses. And I was like, ah, I'll just catch it, you know, on Blu-ray. And I got to tell you, I love that stinking movie. I just absolutely loved it. I thought Paul Rudd was fantastic. I, you know, I, I don't much care for Mike Douglas, but I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I, I, I liked Evangeline Lilly. I just, I thought everybody was great in the movie. I thought it was a funny movie. I thought it had a completely different feel than the other Marvel movies. The closest I could describe the feel to people was it kind of had a similar feel to Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I liked that it was a heist movie. True. I, you know, I dug that, uh, you know, there, there's that, that little bit of an Ocean's Eleven kind of feel to it. Um, I did. I Man, I, that was a hoot and a half. I, and I laughed a lot in that movie. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, <laughs> the giant ant that then becomes the family pet. Holy shit, I cracked up. The Thomas the Trank. Uh, the Thomas the Tank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was dying. I was dying. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, I, I really dug it. I mean, I, Guardians is my is my number one, and Ant Man right now after one viewing, and you know, I, I, I know that's I'm still on the high of it, but it, it is up there pretty high for me. I thought that was a fantastic movie, and I love the scenes with the Falcon. You know, I, I love the, uh, you know, oh shit, that's Avengers headquarters. Get the hell out of there. You know, and he decides to go in anyway. I thought that was really Yeah, cool. I thought that fight scene was done really well. And his supporting cast, you know, the other the other three robbers, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, burglars, uh, were were fantastic. I dug that. I, just, I I thought the whole movie was great. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I can't go out and buy the Blu-ray though because it's too close to Christmas, and you know, movies are one of the few things I can put on the list that people don't get wrong. That that's fair. Yeah. So I got I got a bit of movie new movie questions for you guys. I, I, it's it's a it's a conundrum to, for me before we get into the, sure. the trailers. So we all know what next week is, right? Uh, yeah, I believe that they're 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 re-releasing uh, Sophie's Choice right. in theaters next. Week. Right. Oh, there's that so, sisters film with uh, what's her yeah. face and uh, what's her face. Right. So and and that other. So and, and I, need the chipmunks. To, I need. So, because Sophie's Choice is the theaters are going to be packed for, and uh, <laughs> no, it's so. So I really, really, really dislike going to movies when it's crowded. Like I can't stand yes. it. But yeah. if I don't go see the Star Wars movie like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it will be effing spoiled. Like you know that will oh, yeah. happen, and like that's I, why I, I, Tim, that's why I'm doing Five Star Lounge for seeing it. Because I don't like crowded theaters either. So you go in a five-star lounge and you have a little pod of your seats, like two seats next to each other, with a ton of space around you. And it can't possibly be crowded. And you have assigned seatings that where you picked your seat. And this is the only way to see a movie, especially a movie like this where you're right. The theaters are going to be ridiculously crowded. Okay. So I need you to pretend that I don't live in an area that has one of those because I really don't. <laughs> but to be fair, I yeah. would have paid the extra money for this movie to do it that way. I don't – there's 50% of me that says, you know what, F it. I will just stay away from stay away from the internet for a week and just deal. And there's part of me that's like, you got to see the dang movie. Juanita's like, you have to see the movie because you know the guys are going to want to talk about it next week. I'm like, yes, but I, I've skipped those conversations before. You, so, this is a movie where you will not be able to avoid a spoiler. Even if you try to avoid the internet, people are going to be talking about it. You, it's going to be hard to avoid a spoiler seeing it Friday. Yeah, I was thinking because the same thing. Because people are going to be spo- – I mean you might as well not log in you know, after 10 o'clock Thursday night because – uh, folks are going to be spoiling the shit out of that. Inadvertently, I mean, there'll just be folks coming out going, you know, when Han Solo dies, that was awesome. You know, I mean, just it's going to be it's going to be ridiculous, which is why I'm seeing it Friday. Night. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to go Internet dark Thursday night and uh, and, and see it. Friday. Yeah, Tim, if you have the availability on a, on Friday to see it during the day, I think that's your best option. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah, they were trying to get me to, into a meeting on on uh, Friday when they were they were booking, and they're like, "Hey, what about the 18th? I'm unavailable on the 18th." 
and they're like, well, what do you, what do you, what do you got going on? I, I can't see your calendar because I, I put it as private appointment. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I, 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 it's, it's a big deal. I'm, I'm going to be out Friday. I, I just, I can't. And so my boss is like, what do you got going on Friday? Star Wars. She was, oh, thought as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my case, it was even easier because uh, I'm switching jobs. So I made my last day be the 17th. So ah, that is, I don't you know have that is officer thing. Yeah, I haven't started my new job on Star Wars Day. I don't have a work phone. I'm between the two jobs. There is no risk of work interfering with Star Wars. That is awesome. See, so I'm, I got I got to say I'm a little disappointed about something. I had hoped that by now we would have heard about a re, a uh, release of the original three. Um, Back to their cinematic cuts, right? You know that we'd, we'd see that, that there would be a release of them on Blu-ray, digital HD, you know that kind of thing. But no whisper at all about that, and that just—I'm I, I, really disappointed in that. Rumors. There's been nothing truly confirmed. Um, I think at this point, one of two things is happening: either it's not happening, or they're waiting for the Blu-ray release of Force Awakens. But I got to tell you, if you buy the box set of seven movies, knowing that there are more coming out, you're a foolish person. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I expected it to come out around Christmas. This, yeah. You know. I just thought there'd be a, there'd be an a, an announcement because I, I think people are so there are so many people going back and rewatching everything right now. You know, getting ready for the film. There are so many kids who are being introduced to Star Wars for the first time because, you know, their parents, you know, the, the kid's finally old enough. Parents want to have that experience of taking them to go see Force Awakens and they're, and, and they're exposing their kids to Star Wars right now. I just think that would have been the opportunity. Well, and they did but, release the films again on Blu-ray. They released new box right. sets. They released Steelbook editions. And, right. you know, to, to meet that Christmas demand, which is what makes me think that maybe it's just not happening. Maybe they can't yeah. figure it out. I mean, they have – here's the thing. They have the footage. I mean, a couple of years back, oh, they yeah. released them on DVD. So they still have the films available to them. I think it's just um, a 20th Century Fox Disney um, distribution thing that just can't be worked out. That, that's my thinking um, because it, it would have happened for Christmas unless they're just not ready. Yeah, I, yeah, I just – it just surprises the hell out of me. But, but so I got a question for you. Um, I when I'm buying Blu-rays, uh, I tend to buy the uh, multimedia pack where you get like the the Blu-ray and the digital code. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I've mentioned I've, I've talked to Paul about that before, and Paul doesn't. Paul usually gets those, but he doesn't usually do anything with his digital code. Same here. I don't bother uh, with the digital code. I have really grown to love the digital code. Um, don't get me wrong, I love my Blu-ray, but. Uh, the, I, I like being able to stream it to my iPad and, and, and all that. And yesterday, because uh, I was opening up my Ant-Man uh, disc, and I'd had a couple of other discs that I bought, and uh, like Terminator Genesis, that I hadn't registered the digital codes. And so I'm going through, and I'm going through the very, you know, Disney makes it easy on you. Because you can just register it to your Amazon account, right? So you can just stream it from there. But with like, uh, uh, I want to say Warner Brothers, I think no, 20th Century Fox, you have to go through uh, Ultraviolet, and then you have to pick a vendor such as Flickster. I'm going to tell you, that's you why I haven't registered as many. Oh, it's a huge, yeah. because it's a huge pain. I don't have apps for any of those on my PlayStation 4. So if I can't stream it to my TV, I don't care about being able to stream it. Now, since you just mentioned that with Disney, you can do it on Amazon, 
I might be more interested in picking up the digital copies of Disney's. Yeah, they, they, Disney makes it really easy on you. So I'm 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 on Flickster and I'm trying to register my my stinking copy of uh, Terminator Genesis, and it tells me that the code is invalid. And so I'm going back, making, you know, and they give you this like you know 13 digit code with you know it's alphanumeric and you you know making sure I've I've entered it all correctly and I had, and so I go to the live chat feature. <laughs> and the you know I'm like hey you know because it says you know you know talk to us if you need help so I go to the live chat feature and uh, the guy comes on and goes hi I'm Jason and you know that his name is you know Sanjay uh, but uh, <laughs> Jason says that uh, you know oh well um, what uh, what browser are you using I'm like I'm using Firefox oh do you do you have Google Chrome I do not would you be interested in loading Google Chrome on, on your on your laptop. I would not. <laughs> he says, okay, okay. Um, are you a Facebook user? I am not. <laughs> and and he, he's, he's, you know, going through all of these, you know, all these different pieces of software I could load onto my computer or different ways I could access. And I'm like, look, I'm going to your website. It tells me to do this. It does not work. And then I, I notice deeper down, it says, uh, on the certificate that, you know, or you can register it through iTunes. I'm like, well, fuck that. I'll just go register it through iTunes. So I'm, I'm chatting with this guy, right, while he's trying to figure something out, and I'm just slapping him down going, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I go to iTunes. I get it registered. It downloads to my PC, and he goes, well, I just manually loaded it to your inbox. It's there. So now I have two digital copies of Terminator Genesis. I have one over on Flickster, and I have one over on iTunes. So I can watch it anywhere I want to be, as long as I have a Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Wayne, um, I think you can stream ultraviolet movies on your PlayStation using the Voodoo app. Yeah, ah, I do have Voodoo installed on there. Because the, uh, a couple of the things that I have registered the code for were on Voodoo. That being said, ultraviolet still sucks. I hate that everyone has their own little proprietary software. Just do it all through freaking iTunes. Come on. Or link it through Amazon. I mean, you know, just just give me a platform that's more universally used because my problem is trying to remember all the ding-dang passcodes. Yeah. Because you know? you've got a password for each one of these things. You always have to link. It's not just your Ultraviolet account. You then have to have your your viewer app or whatever. So you got to link those two. And, you know, oftentimes Paramount, Universal, 20th Century Fox wants you to register on their site. So it could be as many as three different places to log in. It's a colossal pain in the ass. And every one of those places sends you spam. That's right. That's why I have a spam account. <laughs> so I feel like we haven't resolved Tim's Tim's dilemma, though. My, my, my spam account is iompaul at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, I don't even have an iompaul at gmail.com. So go ahead. Send it there. <laughs> so, so I feel like we haven't resolved Tim's issue, though. I'm sorry. What was Tim's issue? That, was, were we talking about his cell phone? Uh, was going to see Star Wars? He, <laughs> his little little penis? <laughs> I think all three are, are have, have something to do with each other. Uh, the, the little penis isn't his issue. It's his wife's issue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, you have no reserve seating theaters in your area. No. Hmm. Mm. No, it's it. My options are the unwashed masses, or or avoiding it until like a Tuesday afternoon or something. Okay, so here's my recommendation. That's a speaking of Sophie's okay. choice. You 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 need to make you you need to uh, order a great big soda, right? Mm -hmm. Perhaps two great big sodas. 
and then get to the theater early enough so that you can pour one into the seat to your left and one into the seat to your right. Mm. And that way, you're free. You at least have elbow room. That would be my recommendation. So my recommendation is to eat a lot of chili before going in. And just clear the area around you. Make it a uh, hazard zone that no one is willing to sit in. <laughs> you guys okay. are so hardcore. All you need to do is someone sitting there? Yes. Is someone sitting there? Yes. And then just <laughs> just say, oh, they never showed up. Like, you know, just just keep saying yes, someone sitting next to me when people ask. You know, that doesn't cut it with me. <laughs> you just sit there? Is someone I'll sitting ju- there? I'll yeah. just sit down. You just sit down? I don't ask the question. If they're not there and there's not a coat or something there, I just sit. Oh, there you go. Coat. Well, now, also, if there are multiple coats, if there are multiple coats, I just start saying, (laughs) whose coat is this? (laughs) You know, whose coat is this guy? They're not here. I am. And you know what I would say to you, Aaron? I'd say get to the theater earlier, asshole. I got here early to get these seats. That's what I'd say. Well, I'm always at the theater. I'm always at the theater. I I wouldn't actually say that. I'd be like, yes, sir. I put the check in my life. Well, no, what what I can't stand are the guys who are going to save an entire row and none of their buddies are there. That's yeah, that's garbage. Yeah, yeah and that, that's why... Two that's seats, why I, eh, I, a row, go, yeah, go to I, hell. I will, you can have your well, two Tim, seats. Does your theater have the, uh, the handicap seats? Oh, dear God. I, I think they, I think they have the... Theater, I think my theaters has what I call the low seat. <laughs> oh, Tim, Tim, borrow somebody's cane. Borrows. There you go. <laughs> okay, those so, usually will be in chunks of, like, two. So you only have to uh-huh. keep one seat, you know... Saying that someone's sitting there, not one on either side. So, I, what, or oh, go ahead. Or I, you know, carry a colostomy bag. <sighs> Nobody wants to sit next to the guy with a colostomy bag. So, what I'm gathering from all of this helpful information is that I need to go see this goddamn movie, like right yeah. now. Basically, you, you should be watching it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. God damn it. You know, I've been surprised by how many advanced screenings there have been about this. Like, every company around here seems to have bought out a theater for an advanced screening. I got, I lost track of how many invites I got. And then, you know, I'd say I'm not going to any of them because I want my first experience seeing it to be in the five-star lounge with a, you know, an incredible experience, not with a sales pitch prior to it. But well, it's so like, help every- me out here, Wayne. I, I, I don't need to cut you off, but... Um, unfortunately, there are no movie screenings allowed before 7 p.m. on Thursday per yeah. contract. And that's where all of these invites are for is 7 p.m. on Thursday. Oh, OK. I was like, what? Because I, w- I read the writer. There's like the theaters have a writer and they cannot show it to more than a manager and a projectionist before 7 p.m. Thursday or it's breaking the terms of the contract. Wow, you know when 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 I worked at movie theaters when I was a kid, we'd watch the movie the day before. Yeah. You know, we'd 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 stay after midnight after the last film and screen the movie. They still do that, and in fact, they you know the the, yeah. the Disney has sent out this thing saying we're sending you the digital file early because you need to verify that the file is good, yeah, the projection is yeah. good for the utmost experience. However, show it to a projectionist, show it to a manager. If you have screenings for all your employees, you're breaking the terms of the contract. Wow. They are wow. they are hardcore about avoiding the spoilers. They are not fucking around. Yeah, they are not fucking around. Good for them. Yeah, I mean it's got to. I mean at some point, you know, because you know, 
if they did that, I am shocked. And I've heard rumors that it has been, but if it if those rumors were true, we would have seen it in the news about it leaking online. It, it would have been in the news if that movie leaked online. So they, the fact oh, that it yeah. hasn't is surprising. Yeah. Yeah, if it had leaked online, a lot of people would have watched it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I have a similar dilemma to yeah. Tim. And I you know, I know we're getting completely okay. off topic here. But um Okay, so uh, so uh seeing Star Wars, crappy phone, small uh, yes. penis. Which of these? <laughs> uh, the Star Wars, the Star Wars dilemma. Uh, not the small not penis. Not the small penis. Huh. Okay. Huh. <laughs> huh. <laughs> cuz I already had an answer. Um, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> again, that's not a dilemma for Paul. That's a dilemma for whoever Paul's dating. <laughs> so uh, my dilemma is I am doing the, the marathon screening. Um, oh, it begins Wednesday evening at 1 a.m. <laughs> there are breaks, in, and so it's all six movies, and there are breaks in between movies. There's a two-hour break in between the first trilogy and the second trilogy. Or There's like an eight-hour break between episode three and the new movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. And so um, so there's kind of, you know, so it starts at 1 a.m. and it goes through till, you know, the new movie. And my dilemma here isn't so much that. I mean, you know, I do have a little bit of buyer's remorse. I wish I had just gone for the 7 o'clock showing, but fuck it. I'm, I'm in for it. Um, my dilemma is more in the fact that you don't want to be in the front row for 20 hours of movie viewing. So I have to get there early in order to make sure that I get premium seating. But I don't know how early, because if, if, if assholes are going to start lining up that morning for a thing that doesn't start until the next morning at 1 a.m., I'm going to be pretty peeved. I think that's probably what's going to I think so, too. I think I'm – because I, I took yeah. Wednesday off. And I and, I, and I, what I thought is I take Wednesday off. I'm going to lounge a little bit, snooze, you know, and uh, you know, I'll drive by, uh, you know, at different points in the day, see if people are starting to line up. And now I'm concerned that when I wake up – now, keep in mind – I've, I've had this dilemma before, and I did it for Force Friday, and I was the first person in line for like three hours. So I'm hopeful that it, this is one of those situations where I'm going to drive by, you know, and people won't start lining up until 9 o'clock. That's my hope, like 9 p.m. But I'm, I'm really thinking I would be surprised if someone's not there by noon. I just envision no, this I, is going to be a repeat of Force Friday where Paul's going to show up. He's going to be the first person there, and he's going to be like, well, I don't want to be the first person because, you know, that – that just looks like I'm a creepy stalker guy. And so he'll leave and come back and then there'll be a line already started. Now, Paul, are you uh flying solo on no, this? No, no, no. I've got a friend coming with me. Okay. Um I I gotta tell you, I think Friday's gonna be the shit. I think that uh that uh it's gonna it's gonna be a circus. I, I think I honestly I think that that people are gonna be lining up super early. I think so as well. I mean like ridiculously early. Uh, I mean, people people have been lined up for over a week over at Man's Chinese Theater. Yeah, but that's for charity. So, I mean, I get that. I know, but I mean, it's just – it's crazy is what it is, Paul. It's it insane. Is. And, you know, if, I mean, just, just, just wait for the blue room. They should have all got a side <laughs> seating like I did. So, I, I'm, so it sounds like, Wayne, you're seeing it Thursday or Friday? I am seeing it Friday. Friday, 3 p.m. Aaron, you're seeing it Thursday yeah. or Friday? I'm seeing it Friday, Friday morning. Tim? Tuesday after. If you ask me right now. <laughs> <it's the Tuesday. laughs> All right. So. Now, I should probably clarify, I'm seeing it Friday morning, and then I'll probably see it, you know, two, three times after that as oh, well. Oh, yeah, I guarantee you. But, uh, I already have tickets to see it two times after. So hopefully it doesn't you're, suck. You're wow. so strange. <laughs> this movie is you going to break so many records. God oh, damn yeah. it, Paul. 
Well, I did. Then, then, then I'm going to be pissed. A Paul and his money are soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things about this film that I'm looking forward to is just the sheer number of trailers that are going to be attached to it. You know, we talked about Superman versus Batman uh, last week. There's there's a new Star Trek trailer uh, trailer going to be attached. New Star Trek Beyond trailer. Um, Some of these have already shown online. Civil War. Um, but uh, two other trailers that are going to be attached to it that have also shown online already are X-Men Apocalypse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Um, so you guys uh, saw the X-Men Apocalypse trailer this morning. Uh-huh. And uh, what did you think? So on the early pictures, I thought Apocalypse looked really ridiculously stupid. It looked like Ivan Ooze from the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. And I still can't say that I like the look, but seeing him in motion, it didn't bother me nearly as much as that still picture did. I I was already going to be excited because it was an Apocalypse movie, but watching this trailer and getting an idea of who the Four Horsemen might be in the movie and just seeing the grand scope of this, how big it's going to be, I'm utterly excited. I, something, there's something in that trailer that bothers the shit out of me. And what's that? Uh, who one of the the, the the who they're leading one of the four horsemen to be? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Are we, it's, I guess it's the trailer. It doesn't really. Yeah, yeah. you're not gonna spoil I, anything. Magneto's not a four horseman. That that guy's not weak willed enough to be one of the four horsemen. Everybody else on board. I understand that one bothers the shit out of me. Well, it's interesting too that they're. They make a comment that uh, he can control other mutants. That's kind of new, but it's something I like. But you're right. Magneto's not one to be controlled. I mean, I think he would be... If he's on board, it's because he agrees with what Apocalypse is trying to do, not because he's weak-willed. I, You know, Apocalypse isn't my guy. Uh, I, I've never been too entirely jazzed about Apocalypse, though I love the Age of Apocalypse, the original Age of Apocalypse story. But uh, I, I don't know. I... The, I like the the return of those characters from First Class, you know, because I, I I I love you know Michael Fassbender and and uh, uh, McElvoy, James McAvoy, McElvoy. yeah, uh, love those guys. There's something about this that just looks a little off to me, and so I'm not nearly as jazzed as as I as I might otherwise be. But you know, it's something that I'll see probably on Blu-ray. I don't know that that's a, that's something I'll see in the theater. Oh, I'll be there opening night for it in the theater. I so said I'm. Apocalypse is one of my favorite villains, so I am incredibly excited. And uh, I love the lineup that we're seeing of all these, uh, all the mutants we saw. I am curious because I'm not sure who she's supposed to be. There is a female leading the X Men at one point, and I'm she's a blonde. Was it Jennifer Lawrence? Not... Yeah, that was Jennifer Lawrence. That's Mystique. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't, I was trying to figure out who is this leading the X Men with Xavier gone. Who's this hot blonde? Exactly. That's her mutant power, hot hot blonde. blonde. (laughs) Well, so if it's Mystique, then it kind of is her mutant power, hot whatever she wants to be. She be hot. So there was also the there was also the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel trailer out today. 
I'm really not an, a live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles guy, so I'm going to hand it over to you guys to talk about this. I love this trailer so much. <laughs> Me too. Oh, You're God. Right. Oh, God, so much. I'm, it looks so I'm such a mark, though. It's so easy. <laughs> I mean, it's like they, they said, hey, Paul, what do you want to see in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? And it's like, okay, well, we're going to throw in Stephen Amell. We're going to throw Good. in Bebop and Rocksteady. We're going to throw in Aliens, so it makes me think Krang is going to be in there. Baxter Stockman. We're going to throw in uh, Megan Fox Midriff. I mean, Uh, this is like the perfect Ninja Turtles movie for me. I I am not on board at all. I did finally watch the first Michael Bay Ninja Turtles, and I have to admit it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it wasn't good, and it made me go back and rewatch the original three live-action ones. Because oh. all of those looked better than the Michael Bay one. Oh, Wayne. Uh, oh, and had Wayne. better story than the Michael Bay one. And those aren't good. I love the, the first Actually, so I the take first... that back. The first one is really good. Two and three are not particularly good, and they're still better than the Michael Bay one. No, I wouldn't I, agree with that. I, I d- cannot disagree harder. The, I, the, the first one, I would hold up as probably the best Turtles movie. It, like, I, I, I like the Michael Bay one, but yeah, I don't think you beat the original, to me, to be honest. Yeah, the original is by, I think, at least we all agree on that. The original is by far the best. I even like the computer-generated one that they did. I thought that was good, too. That one was really good. I forgot I think about this- that. Yeah, I think this new one looks great, uh, and the, you oh, know, yeah. Steve, putting putting Stephen Amell in it is gonna you know warm a lot of fanboy hearts because you know him playing Casey Jones. I think that's great casting. It looks good in the role. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it looks good. I think it, I, I think like, they learned their lessons from the first one. I don't like all the aliens. I don't like. I thought Rocksteady and Bebop looked horrible, but I was happy to see them. You know, even if I even if they don't look good. And in you know, fairness, a lot of times on the trailers, things don't look as good as they do when the movie actually releases. So maybe they'll look better in the movie. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of time. But, you know, I think and, – and and a lot of people – I read some people online talking about how, you know, aliens and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I think a lot of people forget that aliens have been – there have been more aliens in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than there have not. I mean, they were introduced yeah, really yeah, early goes, in the series. Yeah, I have no problem with that. aliens in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I don't like all the ships flying around. Because while aliens are common, spaceships, you know, openly invading are not so common. Well, Wayne... But it's a Michael Bay film. Michael Bay film. And, you, and so you know what's going to happen. Same thing that happens in X-Men Apocalypse. There's going to be some giant hole in the sky that the aliens are going to come through that the Ninja Turtles have to close up. <laughs> So how much money would a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Transformers crossover make? Oh, my God. All of, so all of the money? All, all of the money, <laughs> yes. Uh, and especially if you throw in, like, The Rock from G.I. Joe in there and just call it a G.I. Joe crossover, just put The Rock in it. Oh, my God. The Rock riding Dinobot with, like, Raphael sidekick. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Cowabunga, dude. What if you took it one step further? And put Batman with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, well, that would just that's stupid. stupid. That's that's such a dumbass idea, Wayne. <laughs> oh wait, wait, no, they did that <laughs> this week. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from uh, 
DC Comics and IDW came out. We talked about this last week. Written by James Tinian IV, art by Freddie Williams III, read by Paula Ponte II. Um, actually, I second, but it was just kind of funny. Uh, and so I was excited about this book, very excited about this book. Um, really been looking forward to it. And uh, so it came out this week. I, I want to hear what you guys thought of it before I give my thoughts. So I guess I'll go first. I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I liked that they didn't try to – like sometimes when they do these crossovers, they make it where they've always existed in the same universe. But they they did the route for crossover that I tend to prefer in that uh, the Turtles have hopped universes and they're trying to get back home. So you, you're dealing with – you're they're acknowledging that these are not existing in the same world. And I uh, I gotta you know I appreciate that. I I felt like the book opened up super weak. Um, I thought the first couple of pages were far too wordy and did not lean nearly enough on the strengths of the artist uh, to tell the story visually. But then uh, uh, Killer Croc shows up on the page and this thing starts to sing. Uh, I there the pages immediately preceding that are Batman and Alfred in the cave, and I just didn't care for how Alfred was voiced or how Batman was voiced. Uh, none of that worked for me. But once Killer Croc shows up and the caper starts, that's where I started to enjoy it. And by the time I got to the end of the book, I loved it. I didn't care for the design of the Batmobile. It it seemed rather influenced by. Uh, the original designs of the Mutant Ninja Turtles by Eastman and Laird. Um, I, I, I felt like they're, they're, they were taking a page from th- that sort of style concept. When you look at how they drew, uh, they had a comic, and I forget what it was called now. Um, they they had an a uh, android, um, Futuroid. 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 Fugitoid, thank you. Fugitoid. And, I mean, the the tech, the, the particularly the Batmobile tech, is drawn very much in that sort of style. So I just felt like uh, Freddie Williams III was sort of leaning on some of those uh, design concepts, just kind of merging those two worlds. What I uh, thought there, um, and, and, and I saw this throughout the book, and it's something that at first took me off guard because it's not the usual Freddie Williams art. Um, right. But I think no, he was not at all. Yeah, I think he was taking a page of Simon Bisley's book gotcha. out of Simon Bisley's book because Simon Bisley and Kevin Eastman have had some pretty popular Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books together. And as I thought, as I'm looking through the art on the book, I think that's what he was inspired by is the Bisley stuff. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I, I just I, I feel like it's just you know you're you're setting it in Gotham, but you're telling a story that's got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman in it. So you're not going to get to see nearly as much TMNT stuff, so why not influence your your style and concepts from the uh, earlier Ninja Turtle work? I, that's That was what I picked up yeah, from it. And I, I also appreciated that out of all of Batman's villains that they could have brought in, because they want to bring in villains from both groups, that Killer Croc was the one that was chosen. He is the obvious villain to include in a Ninja Turtle story. Yeah, I thought that, you know I thought the the writing was good. I did think it was a little wordy at the front, like you said, Aaron. Um, yeah, it was it was just a wall of text, and I'm like, good God, you know, it's not not how you open a comic. But you know what? I, I find that you know Tim James Tinian, you know, typically associated with Scott Snyder. I'm sorry, uh, James Tinian or James Tinian the fourth. James Tinian the fourth. 
I just wanted to make sure that his great grandfather wasn't also in. Oh, gotcha. No. <laughs> James Tenyon the fourth. Um, you know, he he kind of writes similarly to Scott Snyder, and you know, I'm still reading the Scott Snyder uh, Batman book, so the wordiness, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit uh, familiar with. I did think it got extreme on on some on those first four pages, especially that that two page spread. Because I think that two-page spread would have been beautiful with less wording. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a two-page spread where Bruce and uh, Alfred are talking in the cave, and uh, you know, you kind of get a look at the cave, a look at the Batmobile, and the art is really striking. But so much of it is covered by text. Yeah, no, it, it's just engulfed by it. Yeah, but you know, the, he he seems to peel back a little bit later on with the fight sequences. Um, and you know, when the Ninja Turtles are fighting the Foot Clan, and Batman confronts the Shredder. Um, you know, they, they they pull back a little bit from from the wordiness, and uh, I, I really liked this book. And I know you know typically, what typically happens in a lot of these crossovers is that you you follow one character for the first book, like you would follow Batman for the first book entirely, and then see the Ninja Turtles on the last page, or or right. vice versa. And what I like about this book is, yeah, if they didn't meet until the last page, but you're following both equally throughout the book. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice because it feels like an actual joint book. You know, it doesn't feel like it's one, it's somebody's book and somebody else's guest starring. It feels like a shared story. And I got to tell you, the whole time I'm reading it, it put me in mind of my, my earlier days uh, playing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, role-playing game. Yeah, I've never had the opportunity to play it, but I always have wanted to. It's a fun game. You know, it's uh, Mutants and Masterminds. Uh, uh, rule set uh so it's a little clunky but uh, it's a fun game i enjoyed that hmm. always liked rolling up the mutants that was always fun yeah, so it sounds like we're all on board for the rest of the miniseries i am i enjoyed it i thought it was yeah, fun same here same i'm on board. here i don't so, have enough fun comics in my uh in my list so yeah definitely it's, it, on board. It is, it's fun it, it's definitely fun and you don't get that a lot in batman nowadays yeah that's true so let's so paul yes sir um the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover, uh, another DC IDW joint, uh, wrapped up this week with Star Trek Green Lantern number six. Um, we started off on this thing loving it. And I'm curious, Paul, did they get it across the, the, the finish line? I think no. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I discovered, I, you know, because I, I, I'd only read the first three issues and I got caught up on the last three last night. And one thing that just that, that I discovered throughout the book is while I really liked the art in the first book what I found throughout the book is that I'm really more what, what I'm embracing more about the art in this book is the coloring I think the coloring is amazing I think the penciler um, whose, whose name escapes me at the time at this moment um, the penciler is Angel Hernandez the colors are by Alejandro Sanchez um, I'm sorry the pencils and inks are by Angel Hernandez and I think I don't think while I think he he gets the the likenesses in a he has a good grasp of likenesses, I don't feel like his art was very dynamic. Everything felt posed. The camera was too far away in every scene, um, so that you could see. You know, so the characters looked stiff. It looked like they were posing. You know, for the art rather than you know this fluid movement that I you know some of these fight sequences have. You know, yeah, like you 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 think of a great Green Lantern artists you think of guys like ivan rice and and guys like that and you know who have a, a strong um storytelling capability uh you know no kind of where to put the camera in the in the panel and i feel like this one was 
was not as strong, but the coloring added a lot to it. But yeah. but not enough that the the fight sequences felt exciting to me. It was just like, oh man, look at all those colors. But it doesn't, you know, like I, I'm not. But I'm not like grasping the excitement of the book. Um, and that's not to say that the the book that the only problem with the book is the the art. Uh, I felt like it was, you know, it, it was like just all the the stereotypes of the of the two universes. Yes, yes, and I, that's what bugged me about it. Um, I think this book would have been a lot more effective if it had literally been a Green Lantern Star Trek crossover, where Hal Jordan or John Stewart. Uh, or one of the other lanterns, a lantern came across. But instead, you know, the whole concept of the book is that the entire DC universe dies uh, because Necron kills it. Ganthet pulls a rabbit out of his ha- hat using the last light uh, uh, scenario and pushes all of, you know, the surviving ring bearers, the last a handful of green lanterns and then uh, a ring bearer from each of the other spectrums into this other universe. The problem is, is Necron comes along. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing uh, the, the whole spectrum. It seems like that's all we get these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, it's, you know, it was nice when Jeff Johns kind of introduced all of these different lanterns, right? I mean, we, we kind of dug that and we dug, you know, the initial stories in Blackest Night, but I, I just feel kind of, I feel like the story has been told and told and told and told uh, over a rather short amount of time. I'm just kind of bored with it. I feel like it does and the same I, thing that uh, having all the Hulks did the Hulk, and it waters down what it is. Like, Green Lantern isn't as big of a deal when you have all of the other spectrums as well. He's just one of many. Well, and in this book, what it did is it's a Star Trek, you know, Green Lantern crossover, and the Trek characters really are overwhelmed by all of these other characters. Whereas if it had just been a Green Lantern or a Lantern, um, you know, it would have been a whole different sort of scenario. Um, I find it interesting that the entire universe died. And it, it literally, this is hours from them. There is no mourning. There's no remorse. And, you know, you get it. They're in the middle of a pitched combat throughout the entire six-issue series. But there is a, a denouement, an epilogue at the end of the story. And again, there's no mourning. There's no remorse. I mean, it's just, ah, universe died. This will be our new universe. Yeah. So, so, so just, yeah. to, just to further cement the point, at the end of this book, the DC universe is still dead. <laughs> Right, uh, and now yeah. the, and now the the core that have been brought over to the Star Trek universe by Gantt live in that universe because the other universe no longer exists. Well, and I, again, you know, something that I think was a missed opportunity is you know they they say you know some of the some of the surviving uh, Green Lanterns and and uh, you know other spectrums you know have have gone their own way to explore the universe, yada yada. Others have stayed here on the Enterprise, and they show John Stewart and the Blue Lantern playing three dimensional chess. And uh, chess, not chest. Um, and at the end of the book, you know, Hal Jordan has stayed with the Enterprise, and he's kind of like the scout for the Enterprise. Because, you know, the Enterprise needs a fucking scout. But instead of showing uh, Green Lantern as somehow accommodating himself to the universe he's in, I kept thinking, well, maybe he'll have a Starfleet emblem on his chest, you know? Because I think that would have been a neat opportunity for them to show, you know, uh, he's made his new home here. But no, he's still just, you know, his Green Lantern self. They just this whole the series started really strong, and I think it had a lot of promise. I got to tell you, I thought it was super cool when Necron uh, 
was teased like two issues back that he was going to reanimate Vulcan, you know, because Vulcan dies in the 2009 Star Trek movie, and he's going to reanimate Vulcan, that entire planet, right? And I'm just like, okay, that's kind of cool. It didn't. It didn't land. No, it didn't really yeah, do. None of that. They didn't do enough with it because, unfortunately, yeah. the Necron bat. You know, they they hinted Necron was coming back in issue four. You don't right. see him do come- anything until issue six, which is the last right. issue of the series. Right, and and then I mean he's resolved like yeah. that. <laughs> and, and you know, I let's mean, let's talk about the biggest did. gaping hole of this story, or with the ending, and it was amongst the many holes. But the biggest gaping hole in the ending is they make a special point to note that the the lantern batteries aren't in this universe. Right. So how are how does everyone still have their powers at the end of the book? Well, Scotty's re-energizing them with his uh, dilithium crystal matrix. That's never established. No, it's not. But I just assume that's <laughs> happening off the page. But Scotty does make his own lantern rings, which, you know, he just calls them phaser rings. They can create a, uh, a force field around you and you can shoot phasers from the rings. And I'm like, why is that a big deal? <laughs> yeah, couldn't, couldn't we have always done that? I just, yeah. yeah, I guess he just didn't have the it's idea the, before. Yeah, the 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 whole it started strong, finished poorly. I, I'm I was really disappointed with how this ended. Yeah, a bit of a bummer on that one. Um, you know, if they release a sequel, I, I, I'm probably not on board. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's continuing our crossover conversation. Let's talk about the the long overdue Secret Wars number eight, the a penultimate issue, a Secret Wars featuring Ben Grimm fighting Galactus on the cover. Not really. I mean, not really Ben Grimm. Well, it is really Ben Grimm, but you know. No, it's not really Galactus. No, it's Franklin. Yeah, it's you know, Galactus's corpse. <laughs> it's zombie Galactus. So I I, I want to make a, a you know because I don't think I had read or I was not in the episode when issue seven came out, and so I, I just wanted to make a, a, a quick um, point on this book. I feel like, and maybe I need to reread issues one through seven again. I feel like I've missed a lot. <laughs> I I feel like I've missed so much because, you know, when did Namor and Black Panther get together? When did Captain Marvel take over? Yeah. I mean, but did we see all these scenes happen? When did we see all these people gathering? Did we see Reed Richards team team up with Star-Lord and the Master? Like, I don't recall any of these scenes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That happened. So maybe I did hear actually talking about did happen. Issue seven, we saw Black Panther become the king of the undead and we thought it was really stupid where we we pretty much hated issue seven now i did like issue eight. Oh boy i sure did really <laughs> yeah I, I thought this book stank the pacing was all wrong it felt like it felt like something that was cut from another well book. it is right yeah. i mean ultimately yeah. what they I did mean, is they dissected these books to to get the extra issue to get them out quicker yeah, yeah. And, and i just there's not I don't want I, I don't want uh, a book to in a very clunky fashion tell me who people are. You know, I want I want the, the the writer to you know do it in a nuanced way, but I also want it to be clear on who we're talking about. And there were times when characters are talking I'm like who the fuck are they talking about? You know, I the the uh, 
you know, part of the reveal is that, you know, Galactus, who has been, you know, standing sentry outside of Doom's castle all of these many issues, and he's got a big flaming head, you know, we've all just been kind of going, well, that's kind of, kind of cool. Well, that's Franklin, but it's never really clear until just right up to the last moment. And I just, I just like additional clarity. I think they could do a better job explaining that without it just drawing a laser point on it. You know what I'm saying? I just, I thought some of that just didn't work really well, and it leaves you asking questions like, well, who the fuck was that? Guy? Okay, so yeah, there are a few moments of that. There's still more moments of, you know, why are these characters there when their own series is counteracted everything we're seeing, and that really bugs me because I paid money for those series, and I like this issue a lot better than I like issue seven, but I'm still at this point left. Wondering why should I care about any of this? Because we we know if a character dies, it makes no difference. The universe is being rebooted at the end of the series. So why should I care? Well, I, I, I'll say this. The, 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 the book was okay until it got to the Doom Thanos scene, and then it ramped up for me a lot because that was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed the Doom Thanos scene. What I did not enjoy is yet another fucking instance where we're going to go Groot. <laughs> I mean, how many times are we going to do that? How many times are we just going to pull a splinter out of our pocket and grow Groot? It irritates the shit out of me. See, yeah, I don't think that was As much as that has started annoying me, I liked it here because he stabbed Groot into the life tree. So the splinter took over the life tree that was already there. So I did enjoy that. I enjoyed uh, Ben's reaction to finding out that that was Franklin that was controlling the Galactus body. His, you know, basically he's he's there after Doom, but when he realizes it's Franklin, he just has to stop. He won't fight Franklin because it's Sue's son. Okay, I thought that was shit, by the way. <laughs> I thought that was shit. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to fight you now. Just do what you got to do. I'm like, okay, in this universe... It hasn't been established that Ben Grimm and Sue Storm and Franklin all have a relationship. It, 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 it that that hasn't been really established because she's been Doom's wife. So I mean, this is a different. But but they all got their powers together, and it was established early on that Doom convinced Johnny Storm that he had to go up and be in the, be the son, and that he also convinced Ben that he had to go off and be the barrier. I just I, I didn't buy so, that. Yeah. It just I. It, that's the least of my problems with this book. I, I, I'm really hoping this – maybe this would work better if I'd read it immediately with issue seven. Uh, but boy, I, I just – it had just terrible pacing. Terrible pacing. Yeah, for a crossover that started so strong, Marvel is really failing the end here. And part of it is the whole pacing and falling apart and s spreading issues and – you know, being so late that we know that none of it matters. It doesn't matter anything. The universe gets rebooted. I don't care if a character dies. The universe gets rebooted. Well, that it's comics. I mean, a character dies, he's going to be back next week. I mean, so that that that's not that's not the issue for me. The, the issue is me just tell a good story. Just tell a good story. And again, I. I you read it all together, it probably has a completely different feel. And, you know, I do think that in advance of issue eight, I probably need to go back and reread the entire series. So I, I just I did not think that that issue eight uh, was worth the wait. I made a little rhyme. <laughs> well, well, I, I, 
I so, enjoyed myself. I'll say that much. So, and I, I don't think anybody's not going to get the last one at this point, right? Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. The question is, is what I pick up after Secret Wars? Is mm, that's a valid question. But from but from the Secret Wars back to the Star Wars, Paul, we got annual number one, Star Wars annual number one this week. Yeah, which was you know, and I didn't even know this was coming out. No, nor did I. Um, but I picked it up, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Angel Unzueta, and uh, very different than anything else that Marvel is producing in regards to Star Wars, and that this felt more like a Dark Horse Star Wars book. It sure did. Um, like a Star Wars Underworld type book, rather than something that features any of the lead characters, you know, because that's what Marvel's focusing on. It's the lead characters and Darth Vader and, and Kanan. Um, this very much featured an original creation, uh, you know, uh, an under uh, an undercover rebel spy in the Empire. On, on Coruscant. On Coruscant. Yeah. And, you know, Coruscant, who, that we never saw in the original trilogy. Um, so, you know, we, we were revisiting that during that uh, that city or that planet during the time of the original trilogy and uh, an assassination attempt on the Emperor. I loved this book. I did too. I, I, I thought that it was so well written. And, you know, Kieran Gillen writes morally ambiguous characters better than anybody. I mean, he just has such a knack for that. And I, and I love, you know, this guy's, you know, undercover spy and he's having to enforce imperial, imperial uh, law. And, you know, he's a tax collector <laughs> and, you know, he is having to do things that he just feels are despicable, but he's got to maintain his cover. And I just he, he's got this terrific internal monologue throughout the book. I dug it. I, I really did enjoy this. You know, and it turns out to be an assassination plot on the emperor. Uh, and it just it's it started strong. The middle part was strong. The end was strong. I just totally dug this book. I'm assuming something horrible happens to the uh, main character that. Many horrible things happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, because this takes place um, undisclosed period of time. Um, but I think it was after the destruction of the Death Star, the first Death Star. So this is still within that yeah, time cause they, period. They, yeah, because they talk about Yavin in this. But, uh, God, it was so good. It was so good. Yeah. If you're enjoying the Star Wars – actually, even if you, um, you know, you're not big on what Marvel's producing with Star Wars, this is very different than any of the other things. I, the closest I would compare it to is the Darth Vader book and feel. Yeah, and it's a completely standalone book. You don't have to be reading anything else in the Star Wars in the Star Wars line. Mm -hmm. But man, it was so good. Agreed. So, well, Paul. Yes, sir. You know, next week there's 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 this little film coming out as we've discussed. Yeah. And you know, I watched me some Ant Man last night, and you know, I'm kind of thinking about Marvel movies and whatnot. And it occurred to me. Uh, you know, because like Universal, you know, they're they're putting out their own version of the Avengers with their Universal movie monsters, mm -hmm. right? They're going to do their whole line of, of the individual movie monsters and then bring them all together. Um, so I was thinking, I was like, golly, you know, I think a missed opportunity here is Stephen King's universe. I remember he had that Firestarter novel that they made into a movie with Drew Barrymore back in the yes. day. Um, and they he set up an entire... Um, uh, universe, shared universe where, you know, uh, all of these people, you know, like Salem's Lots in the same universe as the Firestarter, Dead Zone, same universe as Firestarter. You know, they're all sharing the same thing. And there is this uh, group called The Shop who's out there kind of studying supernatural phenomenon. And, you know, it's it's got some, some, some black sort of uh, connections to the government. I'm like, you know what? If I'm Stephen King, I'm going to push that we make some of those movies. 
Yeah, Isn't the, the thing... Dark Tower series a combination of other characters? So it does I've never tie read the together. Dark Tower, so... Yeah, the Dark Tower stuff does tie in um, the same. It, it ties into the same mythology, obviously. You know, from a from a different point of view, it's not quite as down to earth as some of the others. But yeah, the Dark Tower has to do with all those books as well. Because they could potentially do that, do those books, and then do a Dark Tower movie. I know well, a lot of people a Dark that Tower would be really excited. Supposedly, Idris Elba is in talks to play the Gunslinger in the Dark Tower. I'm not sure I agree with that casting. <laughs> But as much as I love Idris Elba, you know, I I, I envision the the Doug Gunslinger more as a Thomas Jane type guy. But um, I I I, I would be interested in in something like that, uh, Aaron. I just think uh, I think it takes a delicate hand because Stephen King, you know, you, you can they've made some real shit. Oh yeah, no, they sure have. But you know, I actually I, I love the Dead Zone film with Christopher Walken, and, and and I I really kind of like the Firestarter film with Drew Barrymore. Yeah, it's not bad at all. And Martin Sheen. Uh, I, I, and I was thinking about it. I don't know what put me in mind of this, but you know, there's that scene at the end of the movie where she is using the hanging baskets as fireballs. You know, she's igniting the, the plants and then launching the ferns mm-hmm. at people. I just kind of love that image. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, you, you have the built in, uh, name recognition of Stephen King. And then, you know, you've got sort of he's already kind of created this shared superhero universe. Uh, I think it could be interesting. I think that's what we do. So let's go get those rights and we'll put that. We'll together. do it. Okay, Steven, so call us. Uh, Paul, get that visa card ready. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, last week I saw for the first time ever that uh, the animated special Santa Claus is coming to town. I had never seen it before. You're talking about the one from like the 70s yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Uh-huh. And were you captivated by it, well, Paul? Well, it was horrible. But I mean, <laughs> but I, I now realize what Grant Morrison is doing with his Klaus book. And, uh, you know, I say this because Klaus 2 comes out oh. next week. And uh, a book I will be skipping. Uh, that was my question. Are you skipping it? Oh, right. yeah. Well, I'm going to give it a read. I'm going to give Klaus 2 a read. Because now that I, I see what he's trying to take off of. Now, don't get me wrong. The first issue still sucked. Uh-huh. But I, I will give it a shot. All right. Now, from Marvel Comics, we're getting new issues of all new X-Men. Uh, you know, we talked about the first issue uh, just last week, it seems like. So, you know, they're, they're making the mistake of releasing their books too fast again. <laughs> um, Kanan number nine comes out. The Mighty Thor number two. First issues, uh, Squadron Supreme, Starbrand and Nightmask, and, uh, you know, a number of other titles uh, come out as well. Starbrand, you say? Yes. Huh. Yeah, Aaron, um, once Secret Wars is over, will you be picking it up? I don't know. It depends on how Secret War ends. Yeah. So, and Star... We'll see. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm just saying we'll see. We'll see, Paul. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Star Branded Night Mask is written by Greg Wiseman, who also writes the Kanan book. Hmm. From Image Comics, we enjoyed Huck number one, and Huck number two comes out. Very exciting. So, looking forward to checking that one out. From DC Comics, we get the continuation of the Dark Side War in Justice League number 46. And, of course, a ton of other books as well. <laughs> and more. And etc. Very good. So this time next week, we will most of us will have seen Star Wars and expect a lengthy conversation next week about it. Yeah, we, we may have a thing or two to say. Maybe one or two. Yeah. All right, guys. 
Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.